But in terms of like performance, I mean, I I was amazed, always amazed at Phil's like endurance. I remember he did a triathlon in um, uh, an Ironman, well, an Ironman distance in Germany where, you know, he did like nine hours of training a week and that was it. And he still beat us all. Yeah. <laughs> he still like did a, what, 9.30 or something like that? Not in, not in Roth, just I scraped under 10 hours by 20 seconds and I nearly killed myself doing that. What is up? I'm Darren, your co-host of Master of Some, a podcast about health and fitness served up as a metaphor for life. If this is your first time listening or you haven't already, please, please hit the subscribe or follow button or whatever you use to listen to us. Make sure that you get alerts when a new episode comes out. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Acast, and a few others. Also, please rate us on whatever app you use and leave a comment. Second to last, if you like any of the music that you hear, you can add it to your device playlist by going to masterofsomepod.com slash music and share that out to all your friends. Lastly, send this podcast or your favorite episode to someone that you think will get some value out of this as the more people that hear about us, the dopest stuff we can do to then help other people and then the cycle continues forever. Please note, there is a language warning as we sometimes cuss slash curse And I'd hate to put you in an awkward moment if we slip up and use some adult bad words. So today we're going to touch on a topic which is kind of unavoidable whenever you're training for something foolish, like a 100-kilometer endurance race in the mountains, or an Ironman triathlon, or a very long uh, adventure race. And that's injury that is getting some kind of sprain, some kind of pull, some kind of tear somewhere that derails your training. And as has happened to me in the past, derail my race entirely, um, which is one of the reasons if you've listened to the earlier episodes, I'm, I'm coming back to have another crack at the UTA 100. So in that spirit, I wanted to get on my personal hero and savior and, uh, you know, person who has kept me on the on the straight and narrow with regards to injuries and has basically sort of saved my chops many, many times over many, many races. And that is wonder physio Paula Luke. Um, Paula is a Sydney-based physiotherapist with over 18 years of experience. She is a certified wizard I gave her that certification, so you know it's official. Um, She's also a very, very experienced endurance athlete herself, which um, we'll get into this in the podcast, but I think plays into how she approaches um, physiotherapy and uh, and treating, well, basically half of the endurance community in Sydney, as far as I can tell, certainly the people I know. Um, She's done numerous Ironmans, more 70.3s than you can shake a stick at, and she's just a thoroughly nice person as well. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, Paula. Hi, Paula. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All good. So um, that was a bit of a rambling introduction, but uh, why don't you tell us in your own words a little bit about, um, you know, if I was to ask you what you do uh, and describe your your approach and and how you think about physiotherapy? Um, Yeah. What does that that sound like? Um, Well, I think, I mean, I've worked in obviously in Australia for the last 18 years and I was trained in New Zealand. Um, and I felt like when I went through school, I really, when I got out of school, didn't really know how to fix anybody. <laughs> it was pretty limited in terms of the information we got. So, um, your, your official physio training, <laughs> official physio training, right? <laughs> Literally, you knew nothing. So, when I came out, it was a journey of trying to figure out how to um, fix people um, through learning from my clients, learning from mentors. Um, and what I've basically settled on is that you can't just treat where the symptoms are you have to you have to look at the whole body and um, because when you have an injury it's not always just where you feel the pain that you've injured your whole body's involved in whatever happened whether it be an ankle sprain or fall off your bike or even even just tripping over the rug in the bedroom um, you can get this uh, sort of reflex from your muscles that can stay in your body for a while and you might not even notice it at the time until you start doing something like running 100 k's in the mountains <laughs> <laughs> yep yep and i can i can attest to that i mean i think i've seen you many times and it's like i come in with a with a pain in my calf and it's you know it's it's, it's something in my shoulder or <laughs> or what have you that's like causing the problem so yeah 
Yeah. So we can pretty much trace it back usually to something that's happened in the past. Um, and so that's why I wanted, I, I kind of try to create that into my business name. I wanted to be the body fixer, not just the uh, treating the pain so the pain goes away. I don't want someone to walk away and go, oh, yeah, my ankle now doesn't feel painful what it did, but I still got that knee problem on the other side and my right shoulder still hurts and I still can't throw the ball as well as I could or, or run as fast as I could. So I guess my ethos as a physio is to make sure that all, all parts of the body are working well and they can perform to their maximum ability. Yeah, without uh, without without pain, but also pain's just a small part of of what it is as well. It's also sure the rest of it too. And and did you start treating endurance athletes as a was that just a natural progression? Was it a symptom of of you being an endurance athlete yourself? Like, or was that a very deliberate choice? Like, how did that? Yeah, I guess. Fo- or even is that a focus? Is that just my personal bias because I see you because I'm an endurance athlete <laughs> and I know a bunch of other endurance athletes who see you? Yeah, I mean, I do treat other other people that aren't endurance civilians. athletes. <laughs> yeah, civilians. civilians. Yeah, the normal ones. <laughs> um, they're the ones. I guess uh, you know, they're they're people who actually think I'm crazy what I do, and they probably think crazy what you're doing. But um, but I also I think I fell into treating a lot of athletes, especially in my own business, it was because I was part of a squad. And uh, and even with the triathlon, especially, we do have a few injuries that come up because we do fall off bikes and things like that. Mm. Uh, Sorry, um, what I keep forgetting the word for uh, like when you when you break something, fracture. It's not fracture. It's, it's what type of injury? Because there's um like the overuse injuries, the trauma. Not trauma. There's another word. Like if I were like you know playing basketball and I broke my ankle, what's that? Called? Oh, an acute injury. Like acute. It's <laughs> another word. But yeah, because I'm always you, thinking about that word. Because everyone, everyone thinks of injuries. Like, oh yeah, you get injured. Mm. And we, I think we said this in the last episode, uh, more a few episodes ago. And it's like, no, with endurance training, you know, you like unless you break your leg or your ankle, you you usually it's just an overuse injury or overtraining or an imbalance injury um, where it yeah. was coming and you you yeah. know you had signs where you could have avoided it. So. Um, I'm always just trying to get that word. It's there's a word. There's an actual word. You know the word. I think it's acute. I think it's acute. Is it acute? Yeah, because it's acute, acute and chronic. Versus, yeah. uh, that's the two. Uh, that's the opposite of chronic. Yeah, so chronic is like something you've had for a long time, um, and acute is something that's just happened. But you can get acute on chronic too. So you can have a chronic problem, which may be sort of you've got this Achilles tendinosis, and then you might sprint, and then you'll suddenly become inflamed and become. Achilles tendinocytomitis. So it's inflame, inflammation around the tendon sheath as well. I'm sorry, what do I have look, to look forward to? Because <laughs> tendinosis, I know that. That's my old friend. Yeah. What was that word? The tenosynovitis, which is the sheath if, that goes around the tenosynovitis. Tenosynovitis. I hope I never have to say that again. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, say that five times fast. So what, what's the, what, what's the in te- Jesus. That's <laughs> the difference? Yeah. Well, you know, you said t- ten- tendinitis, right? Tendinitis is kind of an umbrella term, but that implies there's inflammation. Whereas ten- tendinosis is just a degeneration of a tendon. So over time. Told you, Phil. Sorry to interrupt. Ten- <laughs> Phil said there's no such thing as tendinitis. And I was like, dude, no, tendinosis in- and tendinitis are two different but things. For the like, Achilles. There's no such thing. But for the Achilles. <laughs> like, I, said no such for, thing. I said for the Achilles, and I could be wrong. I'm wrong, aren't I? <laughs> There's no tendinos. There's no tendinitis in the Achilles. No, because it's an umbrella term. It's a bit like saying sciatica, but there's sciatica is like an umbrella term for okay. lots of different things that can cause pain down the sciatic nerve. Okay, all plants are trees, but not all trees are plants. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So I'm, oh wait, no, all all trees are plants, but not all plants are trees. So I'm right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay yeah. uh, I forgot what the original Next. thing was I'm, I'm always derailing people That's what I do uh, <laughs> Sorry Back to what you were saying No good Did you get the word? Was it acute? It's not acute But that's uh, It is acute No it's not the word. <laughs> It's fine it, One of us is a physio <laughs> I know No 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 no. You're saying the right word But the word I'm thinking of Is different It's different You're just going to blurt it out At some point so, later in the podcast You're not thinking of repetitive strain injury Are you? Oh, That's an overuse one. No, no. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> all good. Um, so, Darren, I think you had a few. Uh, you had a few questions you wanted to shout out. Yeah. So we're gonna kind of jump into the deep end. I'm big on jumping into the deep end first, and then 
kind of going into you know your background because um, I do have a, a couple of questions for you. I haven't I actually have not met a physio triathlete. I met a physio runner who's my my main physio. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, physio triathlete because a lot of triathletes I feel do everything wrong. Or, or there's a lot of triathletes who do a lot of things wrong, and I kind of can see that. I'm not even a physio, and I'm like, ooh, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, <laughs> two months' time, that's going to be bad. Uh, so I could imagine you seeing a lot of things where people are like, I'm going to get fit and healthy. And you're like, you need to get in shape to get in shape first before you attempt to do that. Um, so let's just jump into the deep end. Okay. That's a really okay. specific question. <laughs> uh, what type of runner is Phil compared to most? Okay, we went straight to me. Yeah, because <laughs> this whole season's about Phil. We're really transparent. Um, what, what am I comparing him about? To, like, real, to real runners. To, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone's a real runner if you run. Like, and you're legit. Like you, yeah. you suffer. You suffer way longer than I do. So uh, you suffer. <laughs> you suffer for those 49 seconds. <laughs> We're back on 49 seconds. So like, what, how would you compare Phil? This is just so that our, you know, sorry, the listeners, the person, people listening, they can understand, you know, where they rank. Where would Phil be? <laughs> or, or more, or more, like to make okay. it generally applicable, what would somebody like me most have to watch out for? Like, are there common things for somebody with like my body type? So, like a heavier guy, like I'm not the super like lean, svelte mountain goat type runner. Like, You're also not fat though. Like, so that's the thing. Like, you 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 are a bit heavier than you know some five seven hardcore like you know yeah skinny but, dude that's a generic runner body but um yeah so i'd say hmm. phil is more in the middle right yeah yeah and uh, phil's got an, an advantage because he's not hypermobile he's got he's quite got quite stiff joints so you're not going to be um <laughs> you're not going to be um you're pretty sturdy on your feet you know you're not going to roll your feet your ankles too often on the trails and things like that so yeah, you're quite true. lucky that in that okay. way um, I think you probably could do a bit better with your prophylactic physio, like trying to make sure that your body is not tightening up in, in ways before you feel anything like pain. Mm. Um, but in terms of like performance, I mean, I, I was amazed, always amazed at Phil's like endurance. He, cause he, I remember he did a triathlon in um, uh, an Ironman, well, an Ironman distance in Germany where, you know, he did like nine hours of training a week and that was it for pretty much the lead up because he got a he was working a lot and he still beat us all. Yeah. <laughs> he still like did a what nine thirty or something like that? Not in not in Roth, just I scraped under ten hours by twenty seconds. Uh, and yeah. I nearly killed myself doing that. I realized <laughs> I could do it in the like and by the way the 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 the, the checks in the mail, thanks. That's really good. <laughs> But but, but, but what, what you you touched on something before though, which I thought was really really interesting. So the I'm not hypermobile and therefore I have a stability advantage. Yeah. So something that just just kind of reading into that, if you are a if you are an athlete who has hypermobility, that's something because um, cats hypermobile, right? My my partner um, for those of you listen, and she does have problems with rolling ankles and like she played a lot of basketball and like has to tape herself up from time to time and things like that yeah so just uh if you could define hypermobility because i don't i don't know what that is exactly oh it's uh, like someone yoga that does yoga be hypermobile yeah it's it's a body type that um has a lot more less stain in their ligaments so the ligaments have got a lot more stretch in them so less stains predominantly in tendons but you get a little bit of in your ligaments but people have some people have more than others and really hypermobile people there's like seven movements i think you can do which um can prove with your hypermobile something like bringing your thumb to your wrist if you can touch your thumb to your wrist um wait what (laughs) now can you bend the thumb all the way back and touch (laughs) but you've also got to have like your elbows got to be able to hyperextend i wish you could see us all right now listener (laughs) we're all looking super cool trying to touch our thumbs to our wrists did you just do that to mess with us? Is that is that the schoolyard thing? Like if your hand's bigger than your face? That's like, right. Yeah. Okay. Wait, that's, was that bullshit? <laughs> what? Uh, the hand, the hand to the wrist thing. The thumb no, to the no, wrist. no. It's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not <really laughs> gullible. <laughs> I can't handle sarcasm. So. Um, uh, yeah, and also if your elbows uh, can uh, hyperextend so that it's not straight if it drops down below the level of your elbows. So if you guys show yours up, no, no, feels good. Yeah, you're good. You don't okay. have, yeah. Um, I, yeah, every massage therapist and physio is always like, you need to stretch more, dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. hypermobile sounds like it would be good because 
I don't know, maybe that's just, you know, the language we're conditioned to in society. Oh, you're hypermobile. Well, shit, that's better than regular mobile. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be, right? It's yeah. Um, yeah, except that it's sort of, uh, yeah, you get less protection from your joints, I guess. Okay. And also takes a lot longer for your ligaments to realize because you get your, your proprioceptors are in your ligaments. So those, those are cells in your body which tell you when your joint is rolling one direction, so your joint where your joints are in space. Yeah. So if you're about to roll your ankle, you just get that little bit of time delay where you don't feel it going, and then that can be enough just to make you go all the way. Mm. Whereas we, with the stiff people, we get we know straight away, and so we, our muscles click on and they correct us. Right. So um, very cool. That would explain my because I I've always been told I'm really tight. I need to stretch more, but I don't roll ankles. Yeah. And I have really good balance. Yeah. Like I can like, like I'm like twitching. I know no one can see this right now, but uh, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's really good for trail running. Like obviously you're yeah. on unstable surfaces the whole time. Yeah. But it, it is up to a point, obviously, because if you're really stiff, then you also can't accommodate for the different, um, mm. I guess, uh, terrain and the different heights and all that sort of thing. And you don't have as much spring in your joints as well. So, you know, there is a point, there's a nice middle ground, which, which you – um, are in okay yeah cool so that's good um and uh but there are some people who are, who are extremely stiff and they will get other things like um you know they might just get cramping and problems with um imbalances in terms of like one joint might be really much more stiff than the other and that can play a play a part yeah so the you mentioned two things the the thumb to the thumb to the wrist and yeah. extending your elbow and see if your your elbow kind of comes up above your your forearm and your bicep i guess uh yeah so basically the forearm just drops down below the level of your upper arm okay can you be hypermobile if you're hypermobile you generally hypermobile everywhere is is it like upper body and lower body well to be classed as hypermobile you have to have those seven Oh, right. Okay. So you have to have all of them. Well, at least I think five out of seven. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, so the other one is your knee extension. So if you're standing up and you're, you know, yeah, these people, it's like they look like their knees are kind of bending backwards when Whoa, they're standing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're hyperextending knees. Um, and Freaks. I know it doesn't hurt, but <laughs> oh, yeah. It's no, so it's like it's the double jointed people and all yeah, that. Yeah. Double jointed was the what people. And the people that can put the legs behind there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, Okay. So they're the really classed as the proper hypermobile people, but there can be people who obviously have a little bit of both. Yeah. So they can be a, have some stiff spots, but they can also be a bit flexible in some areas. Yeah. So cool. it's good to know. All right. Uh, yeah. Next question. Sorry, did, were you were you done on that? Yeah. Yep. Um, so this is probably going to be the last thing about Phil because he doesn't like when we talk about him, even though the whole season's about him. <laughs> It's um, lessons for the listener. It's lessons, like, but we have the the anecdote, and then you, yeah. and then you we extract- extrapolate the anecdote for Good. yourself. Yeah, because no one cares about me. <laughs> More people care about Phil. If you were gone, I'd, I'd cry. Okay, I'd cry. It's really touching. I do a run. I do one of your runs where you run in circles in like a five hundred meter like loop. I like my hamster wheel runs. <laughs> if you ever look on his Strava, he literally runs around the block a hundred times, and he does he gets twenty k's in. You're I, like, what? I can deal with the hamster wheel it's run. Mental fortitude. Yeah, yeah it is. Like, you know, you live in Sydney. You can run. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. It's just yeah. easy. Stare at a wall. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so based on Phil's body body type and issues what do you think his best assets are? i know you kind of touched on that um so like what should he double down on and my then, eyes right <laughs> and then what do you think is a liability i know you kind of touched on that so you can embellish a bit more um as far as him focusing on the uta 100 and just endurance in general like basically it's more of the why has he been so good at you know being this truck or this what, what did you call yourself like a train like he just, he can just, he just sets, he just goes out and he lays down large amounts of power for a very long time. Diesel. Uh, diesel. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like what do you, why, why is that possible based on his, like his makeup, his biological, uh, genetic, physical, I, don't, physical. I, I mean, I, I think, I think Phil's got a lot of mental fortitude actually. I think mm. he's really sort of someone who can knuckle down and do what needs to be done and uh, make, do the training and, um, yeah, and also I think a little bit of genetics maybe. I don't know. Um, like in terms of his body type, I can't say that he's any different than a lot of other people I treat that don't run around the block 100 times. I'm a case. genetically fat, asthmatic kid from the <laughs> north of England. Like I, yeah. There you go. 
that's what you need to be. Yeah, to you be do. Phil. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. All right, a uh, couple of other questions. We'll get away from Phil. Um, Thank you. <laughs> what advice can you give someone training for hundred kilometer race? Um, let's focus on. I want to focus on running. One because I do feel like a hundred k race is a totally different beast. Even though what are you out there? Fourteen hours? Eighteen hours? Aiming for under fourteen. Yeah, under fourteen. So you're in Ironman territory. You're in like a average Ironman finisher territory. But I do feel like the stress on your body of running in the trails for fourteen hours is way different than swimming and riding and then running a marathon. Um, as far as you know, the, again the stress in the compound. Uh, yeah. Shit that happens to you. So. What advice as a physio would you give to someone that's never done one? This is such a Tim Ferriss question. <laughs> but is eight weeks away and wants to jump into one. It's oh, a 100K race. Really stupid. Uh, can answer that. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim Ferriss, he wants to, he wants the four yeah, hour work week. Yeah, he wants the 80 20 it. So, well, like, someone's like, I'm going to do this shit. I got to win a $100 bet. Uh, what, what advice would you give? <laughs> well, the, the, I mean, the big thing with injuries is obviously the increase in load too quickly. So, I think you either have to, um, have to train up until a point and don't increase your weekly mileage that much and just go in half cooked and then just give it all at the race. I think if you try and do too much right at the beginning and go, okay, well, I'm going to go and do a 50K run today. I know I only did 2Ks last week, but then you're just going to end up getting injured even before you start. So if, so, you, if you're going to throw yourself under the bus, you might as well do it in the race. That's uh, that's really sound advice. <laughs> yeah, that that actually, damn, that's... Yeah. It's like borderline genius. <laughs> no, that that's that's that I hadn't considered it in those terms before, but yeah, that's absolutely really really solid. Like get injured in the race, roll the dice there, but if you yeah. cuz you're almost definitely going to get injured in that in that case, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can only really increase things by about 10% each week. So if you think about it in those terms, if you're if you started off before the 8 weeks of doing 10k's then of running, I don't know every three days that's 30k's a week you're probably only going to get up 10 percent each week and then i'd finish it there and then just do the race and you know pop a bunch of ibuprofen yeah. and yeah uh, <laughs> take some coldrel go i'm gonna do this <laughs> i'm gonna get in my mind and i'm gonna muscle through this one <laughs> yeah and then if you get injured well at least you got injured there instead of yeah before the race and waste your race entry at least you could do half the race yeah true true Cool. All right. Uh, let's just keep this rolling. That was that was a good one. That actually leads into like I'm just going to interject because that leads nicely into another question I had in terms of like the biggest mistakes that you see endurance athletes making in general and and ramping up doing too much too quickly. It's major. The one is, yeah is is is, is going to be a major one. Um, is there anything else that you that you just shake your head because it's another person coming through your door um, like with the like that's caused themselves an injury with the same thing. Uh, yeah, I would have to say um, if someone's had what we call a, a clanger and they haven't done anything about it. Clanger. Well, it's uh, it's apart be- from the, like the the little pink things that were in that <laughs> show in like the seventies. Yeah, nothing like that. But um, more like if you've had some kind of like unexpected thing happen to your body, like f- fully unexpected. Like you might have been walking along and you accidentally sort of didn't see a step there and you dropped your foot right down. Oh, right, okay. And then you get up and you go, oh, I'm okay, just a little bit sort of shaken up about it. Or if you rolled your ankle or if you came off your bike and then you got up and like, I'm not hurt, I'm good, I just, you know, shake it off. Right. And then basically it takes about three weeks for your body to wind up and you end up getting – so when you hear something like that happens, you create these trigger points in your muscles and that can be a lot of different places, not just in your legs or your arms. It can be all over your body. Um, and then those trigger points take about three weeks to to make a change in the way you move. And then mm. when they make a change in the way you move, they actually do change the way you're loading each leg or or arm or whatever. And uh, then over time, if you start increasing your training more and more and more, then you you start um, loading, say, one ligament or one tendon much more than the others, and that's when you start getting injured. And you'll, and you'll come through my door and go – I don't know, I just increased my mileage and I just got sore. And, right. and then I always have to ask the question right back. And I think if that person had come in straight after they had done the injury, like literally that week, yeah. then they wouldn't have had that time to wind up and they wouldn't have had that time to load their tendon badly and therefore their tendon wouldn't be inflamed and difficult to treat at that point. So it's it's my message to everybody is just if you, if you have something like that, just go and get it looked at straight away and get 
all those trigger points released so that you don't start loading anything badly, especially if you're going to be doing long distance um, training sessions. Yeah, too true. I remember a few years ago, I came off my bike in the park and um, I, I had a hematoma on my um, on my thigh. Yeah, I remember. Just, and it was the size of a bloody mango. And um, it ended up pulling my um, uh, ITB, I think, really tight and pulling my knee to, to one side. And I ended up with it. And because I went cycling a lot, I, like ended up with a knee pain. And it was, yeah, it was because yeah. it was because I was an idiot. that's all right (laughs) yeah um no that's really good advice so anything that's anything that's been an acute like you've had a trauma even if a small one just go see somebody get it sorted out especially if you're doing a load of volume yeah yeah Yeah. no that's very good uh very good question Congratulations, you've unlocked the random bonus round. What we do is we spin a wheel and we see what random section it lands on. Will it be slide into our DMs, D-Lake's heart rate heartbreak, or rapid fire lightning round? And we have rapid fire questions. Okay, Okay, um, so welcome to our... Random, what is this called? Random bonus round. Yeah, there we go. Sure. Uh, you've got Phil Cross, Darren here, and our guest Paula. All right, so this is rapid fire, so you're going to answer really quick. All right, there's some music okay. playing right now, and hopefully everyone's excited listening. It's like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay. Um, first question's a bit ridiculous, but we're going to roll with it. So I was almost went to you. I had Achilles something, tendinosis or itis or that thing that you said earlier yep is this is it what was it tenosynovitis yeah that thing um i don't know what i had but uh he he fixed me and he had me do these things and tell me if you would have recommended them or not okay i know okay. you i know you do not know my circumstances yeah but it was the exact opposite <laughs> of everything that i that i treated any other symptoms with and i was like what the fuck and it worked so he told me not to stretch it at all he told me not to massage it at all. He told me to keep running, um, stay away from any hills, stay away from super fast running. And um, that was about it. He said icing, if it feels good, hasn't been proven. And he also said um, collagen hasn't been proven. He said, do it, fuck it, whatever. Like, it doesn't hurt you. So I did collagen, I did a bit of icing, and within about 10, 14 days, I was like at 90%. Then like two, three weeks, I got to like 99, and now I was at 100 until last week. And my left one kind of went, um, but yeah, whatever. That doesn't matter. So, would you say all those things are in par with like what you would treat someone with Achilles something? <laughs> well, it depends what you had. Did you have tendonitis or ten- uh, tendonitis? I had tendon- stage one itis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, well, if you stretch something, you're going to be. Um, sometimes you can injure it further, so it's that's. I would probably I wouldn't tell people to stretch it. I certainly wouldn't tell people to massage the actual tendon itself because it's probably inflamed because it's acute. Um, and uh, then I would probably yeah, keep active rest, so rest, so not not doing too much too much of their normal stuff, but just dropping them back a bit. So keeping running is probably what he means, but not doing any sort of hills or overloading it with fast running. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's good. Um, but I probably would look at why you got it in the first place. That's what I would probably do. Why did you get it? I don't know. Everything's pretty good on me. <laughs> oh, you're know. perfect on that. One. Yeah. He, wow. Must have been out of the Clearly not play. that good, man. Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Okay. Now was, to the rapid fire. All right. We're I was going to say that go. was the worst rapid fire question. <laughs> it was kind I of just long. Wanted to add, it, was bad, <laughs> it was a good question. It was just yeah. that wasn't rapid fire, but this is how we roll. We're loose. <laughs> Massive summon loose. We're real loose. All right. Uh, <laughs> legit rapid fire. What is your favorite color? Well, I'm not 10, so I don't have one. Yes. That was his answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, high five. The worst. Play the damn game. <laughs> yeah, again. I'm not a little kid. I don't have a favorite color. Oh. <laughs> I like lots of colors. This was his answer. It was the worst, and it really pissed me off. Maybe you need to question your own belief system, Darren. <laughs> okay. Okay. You have to pick one swim, bike, or run. Which one? Bike. No hesitation. Yeah. Uh, do you lift weights? Do you even lift, bro? 
<laughs> yeah, I left the shopping. I, <laughs> I left my bike in and out of the car. Oh, I do. No, I don't actually lift weights. No. How are you going to get huge? Yeah, you need to be really big when you run and ride and swim. <laughs> I know my arms. This is rapid fire. We're going to stop it there. Sorry. Um, your favorite podcast? Uh, well, I, Master of Some, obviously. <laughs> yes. Everyone knew that was coming. Really appreciate it. Second. It's the only one I've listened to. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it is. You listened to that first episode 10 times, too, right? <laughs> right? Go back and listen to episode one. Good goals. Everyone, please. Yeah. Yes. Apart from the bit how you met, though, missed that bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, second favorite? Um, the, uh, the guys over in, in New Zealand that talk about Iron Man. Um, what are they called? The two Kiwis over there. Oh, um, yeah. Jesus. It's all good. So <laughs> we'll find out in the show notes. It's fine. Um, steel, titanium, or carbon? I am talk. Carbon. I'm talk, yeah. Yeah. I'm men talk. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because they're, they're great. Bevan with his, yeah. he's just the most, most Kiwi accent you can get out there is Bevan. It right? is. It's great. It is. Is, it, is, it, is it better than, um, uh, uh, Buffer. Oh, the guy, neck, neck minute. Is it like that? Is he on that level? Which? You know the neck minute guy, right? Neck minute. Yeah. I went to the store, neck minute. Yeah. Wow. You don't no. know neck minute. You no. know neck minute. Yeah, right? no, you're, neck you're minute. Kid, yeah. So you know neck minute. Yeah. Um, steel, titanium, or carbon? Carbon. <laughs> no comments. Any comments on that, Phil? Uh, people can be wrong every now and then. <laughs> Why do so many people dislike going to the physio? Because oh, sometimes it hurts, right? Sometimes mm. it does, but only for a short time, and then they feel better afterwards. A lot of people just like they like feel like physios don't work. Uh, yeah, there is that too. I mean, I certainly didn't do anything to anybody, any good to anybody when I first left uni. Mm. So you know, uh, yeah, definitely. There's I, there's a huge um, time period where I think there was a lot of ineffectual physio going on. Yeah, mm. definitely. We put the machines on, we put the ultrasound on, put the interferential on, and I did a whole lit review on ultrasound and, and interferential. I got all the studies together that did, you know, to see if one actually worked. Did any study, you know, prove that it worked? And basically I found that 50% of the studies said it didn't work and 50% of the studies said it did work. So it doesn't wow. work. Mm. <laughs> Still don't know. It's like advertising. It's like, did, yeah. did it work? <laughs> I'd, but I if, if there isn't an overwhelming one-sided, then I'd say it doesn't. Yeah, because... It's as good as placebo or it getting yeah. better on its own or... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, what are your... What, what's one of the biggest mistakes you see endurance athletes making? Uh, uh, seasoned ones, because all of our listeners are pros and experts. So <laughs> there are no newbies that are listening. So yeah, seasoned ones, because seasoned ones, are, they're like me. Like they think they know everything. <laughs> and they're like, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm never getting injured in the next week. I fucking do some dumb shit. And you look at me and go, why'd you do that, dude? <laughs> uh, so yeah. Yeah, pr probably most likely would be the overtraining part, like increasing their volume too much or their speed too quickly or anything about too quickly. And it mostly comes from the fact that they, you know, triathlon's actually a pretty social sport, I think. And we all you know, want to be part of whatever other people mm. are doing, you know. So if somebody's going, oh, I'm going on a 130K ride, you know, your program might say 90, but you're like, oh, but they're all going on that ride. It's only that 40. sounds fun. <laughs> it's only 40 extra Ks. Like, that's, that's yeah, it. exactly, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I, I, not, I know it's rapid fire, but yeah, completely like coaching Ironman athletes, like half of the time you have to pull them back instead of yeah. like poking them to do stuff. It's like, can you stop doing <laughs> 40 extra kilometers of running every week, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one. Uh, you are an athlete. What do you personally do to prevent injuries? Obviously, it's objective to you, but what do you do? Um, I do, I think, strength and conditioning training. Like, not lifting weights, bro, but... You don't, you don't, lift, you don't <laughs> lift, bro. No. Um, but, um, but things like just putting yourself out of the comfort zone in terms of um, using muscles you wouldn't normally use, like balance stuff. Um, uh, lots of um, putting yourself into positions, like, with when your, like, hips are much more open than they normally do when you run and when you, and you cycle. And I'm not saying stretching, because it's not necessarily stretching. It's just working your muscles in a different joint range than you're used to so that you start firing muscles that you wouldn't normally fire and just the cycling, running or swimming. Um, and that can actually make you feel looser cool. overall, funnily enough. So, like, lateral trying yeah. to do it. Because, uh, yeah, I, I have a personal trainer that I go to, like, once a month. 
And I, the first thing he asked me was like, you do any side to side? I was like, he goes, all you do is go forward, man. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker. I, I progress. Everything I do is going forward. No side to side bullshit. And then yeah. he was like, ooh. Like, I'm hypermobile and I go forward. <laughs> but yeah, it was just interesting. He, he said, I never thought about that. And I was like, nothing I do because I haven't played basketball in years. But basketball was constantly left, right, backwards, up, down. Um, and, you know, everything is just forward. And he goes, he's like, that's fine, but. You, you know, anytime you go outside of that range of movement, you're, you're higher risk. So you, you yeah. might as well, like you said, do some of those things yeah. to do that. So I'm going to conclude this. We're going to end this here. Do you have anything to say? Oh, just a complete agreement with the, and I think having somebody that puts you outside of your comfort zone for that, for that kind of movement is really good. Like, yeah. you know, our, our mutual kind of friend and, and your colleague, uh, Naomi Pendergast, who yeah. is a like wicked Pilates teacher. I'm, I'm going to go see her tomorrow morning, <laughs> uh, like every, every Wednesday morning, go to her class. And just the horrific shit she has us do. <laughs> yeah. um, always feel better after it. Keeps yeah. me from getting injured, um, but definitely puts me outside my comfort zone. It's probably the hardest session I do every week, including the 40-odd kilometer runs. Like, I know. Yeah. It's, it's funny how you can just run and ride a million kilometers, but then as soon as you try and stand on that board and, and like lift your arms up and the straps, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. over. You can't even stay oh, there yeah. for like 10 seconds. Cool. And that concludes this round this bonus random bonus round <laughs> with Paula Luke back to your regularly scheduled program. Thanks for playing ladies and gentlemen. Now back to the master of some. So Paula. Yes. Thoughts on minimalist running shoes versus something with a bit more cushioning like those Hoka, <laughs> those big chunky Hoka's. Yeah. First th- thoughts on real shoes versus clown shoes. <laughs> Uh, I, I think there's a pl- place for place for both. <laughs> I'm trolling because I know you were a little bit. Um, because I, I mean, I've got like three different types of shoes. I've got really minimalist shoes that are just basically a piece of rubber with an upper sole of canvas, and that's it. And then I've got my medium shoes like Nike Freeze, and then I've which are fairly minimalist anyway. People would say, but then I've got my Hockers, Hockers yeah. as well, and. Um, I, they do say that it's it's much better for um, injury. Just change it up a little bit because mm. you know uh, using the same muscles, using the same shoes all the time, you put pressure on different parts of your feet constantly. So I'll give you an example. When I use my minimalist, I might want to go fast and I want to be right on the edge of my um, on my toes and do some sprints. So I do that, but then that can actually put quite a lot of pressure on my calves and Achilles and mm. and and all of that. So then the next run I might want to do that I, if I feel a bit sore there, I might want to put my hokers on so that gives me a bit more bounce and then it takes some of the pressure off that and I can do another 10Ks without um, without overloading those too much. So I think they're, it's a quite a useful tool, shoes, and I don't think you can either be one or the other. I think it's good to to use both. That's so that again, that's, that's a super good, in, like, I love the way you frame that, um, using them as a tool. Cause I think people, and I've been guilty of this in the past. And I, I think born to run was largely responsible for this. Yeah. Like people have an ideology around shoes and treat them like a religion. It's like, Oh, I'm a minimalist guy I'm a, or yeah. I'm a hawker person. And it's like, Mm, no. <laughs> the, the, what you just described, I think, is an eminently sensible middle road for shoes. And yeah. I'm like you, like I just bought some new trail shoes. I got some La Sportiva Akashas, and they're a bit more, a bit more, bit more cushioning to yeah. deal with my help deal with my injury, which I came to see you about the other day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did like 35k in them the other day, and they were great. Good. Yeah. yeah. I feel bad for the vibr. You remember the vibrams, the first really minimalist shoes that came out, uh-huh. oh, and they got all recalled because they were. They were people injuring don't people. Take personal responsibility for their own injuries. Yeah, and it, and it came down to the fact that their, um, I think it was their progression of running uh, advice was slightly was not enough. So people would, mm. uh, I think they increased people's running up to ten k's over three weeks, which may be too much for people who have never worn any kind of minimalist. I think that's true because I, I like a lot of people. This was years ago back in the UK. I read Born to Run and then yeah. immediately bought some um, Vivo Barefoots and it took me a long time. Like uh, walking around in, in minimalist you know, just day shoes and, and, and like I can run in zero drop shoes now with, yep. with no problem, but that took a long time, a long time for me to transition to that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is what they, 
I think they found, when was it, a book I read? I read, I can't remember, but when they first started doing jogging, which was after the 50s, really, mm. like that's when people actually started jogging for fitness. And they all arrived in their, you know, tennis shoes and, and all this, and they'd, they'd been wearing heels for, I don't know, all the time. And then they decided they were going to run in their tennis shoes. Sure. And everybody got injured and they got their Achilles tendonitis. And that's basically where Puma, I think, um, the original um, shoe companies like Puma and, and Nike and everything decided to put that heel lift in there, mm. decided to put the drop because people were getting so many Achilles problems and they figured they'd just have to lift it up. Um, and then that took uh, that took ages to get out of the system and then every shoe sort of seemed to have it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, it, was only, it was only really recently that we started to go back down to the minimalist shoe, but that was, yeah. Side note, um, thank, thank you for all that. That was great. Right. Um, trying to find zero millimeter drops that aren't super cushion and aren't like road racing, like 5K, 10K shoes is fucking hard. It is. Because uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got a pair um, and they all like when you get the minimalist, you can get is Saucony. They, they're the ones at the four millimeters. And there's a couple other people, but it's like four millimeters seems to be it. But um, I got these super light, like green Saucony racers. Yeah. And I was like doing all this training on it. I went to my podiatrist and he's like, yeah, man, don't do more than 10Ks on these, please. And I was doing yeah. like, you know, it was like, you're going to fuck your feet up. These are way too light. And I was like, whoa, he's like, they're all flat. Like, they're not, you're, you're like not ready to do this. This is good for yeah. speed stuff. So mm. um, it is like, I found it really hard to find really like simple, minimal running shoes that are good for all day. Like, yeah, they, they still haven't mainstreamed that yet. No, they haven't. Uh, and like I, it's four yeah. millimeters, the, the, the lowest I can find. You can get yeah. hawkers. Hawkers are actually do much, a do a zero drop. It's too much cushion. Like, they end up. The, they've got me- mega cushion still. Oh, no, no, man. Okay. I'm, I'm, I do faster. 49 seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got this one. Um, so you mentioned a couple of times when you came out of physio school, you didn't quite have the toolkit <laughs> that you needed. So yeah. what have you seen change over that time or what have you picked up that that's kind of not taught in school? And I think this is pretty common, like nutritionalists that come out of, you know, being a, a registered dietitian, et cetera, kind of a lot of them throw the rule book out the window and then do what works. Um, so what have you learned? What have you picked up? What's changed? And also what are you um, kind of keeping your eye on as future trends? Okay. Um, well, yeah, when I when I was going through uni, it was a lot to do with joints. Like everything was sort of centered around the joint, right? So if you had pain in your knee, it was your knee or it was your patella, it was your kneecap or it was all to do with that. I think um, – and also if there's anything, any pain around your back or your hips or your pelvis, it was all from your lumbar spine. Like – you just had to – they had this <laughs> treatment technique called the Maitland technique, which we all learned. And it was basically you just press on the on the vertebra and you just mobilize it and you get these grades. It was like graded from one to like four and you just pressed on it a few times and got them to stand up and do a movement and see if it fixed it. They'll come back down. And that's – I mean, you didn't assess any of the muscles, nerves <laughs> – anything else tendons ligaments anything so it was really um yeah it was really limited in that way and and when I when I and I remember we only did like for for massage on our first week we only did two sets of two hour workshops on massage before we'd even learned any anatomy and that's the only time we actually did massage on people and I thought well that's in your whole training in a whole training yeah so we That's wild. I know. So the only thing we we used in terms of our uh, trying to find out what's wrong with someone would be joint ranges of motion and these gross muscle tests. So things like lying someone over the back of the of the the bed and getting their leg to drop down. And if it was if it was up and the other one was down, then it must be the tight quads. But we didn't actually learn how to go in there and feel what was wrong or how right. to feel it didn't learn any of that because I think soft tissue techniques and were completely poorly taught and poorly understood. Um, and I think that they did put everything down to joints. And so that was my massive like wake up call when I left. I was like, okay, I've been mobilizing this back for like how long? And the person's still getting up and they still can't bend over. And um, so there was a scary t- statistics at one stage when I was going, th- well, when I finished that um, 20% of physios only made it past the five years because they're just what they learned just didn't work. Like it just did not work. And it was only until I started working with some other physios who had been on that journey before me and had discovered all this that they taught me how to feel things. Like 
um, Francine St George was the first person I was with, and she was um, she was a myofascial queen. So she and it, what she did was revolutionary, and all she was doing really was just feeling the tendon muscle tendon junction and how it all connects up to the joints and what and how it pulls on the joints and mm. and how to release it properly. So that was and that was revolutionary back then. So I think now we're getting better and better at that. But I still think we do focus a little bit too much on biomechanics of the joint and not looking at you know what's making that happen. You know what's pulling on it right mm. down to the muscle and, and and how to release that properly. So um, so the muscle belly itself will have trigger points in it, which are those little sort of micro cramping. And that's what gives it that ropey sort of feeling. And then not only that, but you've also got the tension that it pulls on onto the tendon, which inserts onto the bone. And sometimes you can get rid of all the trigger points, but if you've still got a really sensitive insertion point, then the whole muscle can start cramping up again. Mm. So you really have to release the whole muscle belly first and then right into where it attaches onto the, onto the bone. And only then will the muscle let go. And then on, as well as that, um, it might not be the main cause of your problem. So you might have that muscle being tight because it's protectively guarding something else and then you have to go further afield and go further around the body to find out where that is. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, you, you really sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to do an early plug. Uh, we're not done yet, but this is a very early plug. If you live in Sydney and you are an endurance person or even not, Please go to Paula's body. The body fixer. Body fixer. Yes. Didn't want to mess that up. The body fixer in Renwick. Um, just literally just Google it. It's very yeah. easy. Um, you're on Google Maps, right? So if someone Googles you. Yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah. It'll come up with my Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll you know, put links in the show notes. Yeah. Put yeah. links in the show notes. But um, Phil really, he's very specific about his specialists. He doesn't, he doesn't recommend I'm, – I'm giving – I'm going somewhere <laughs> with this. Phil doesn't actually recommend too many people unless he's you know tried and true and he's used them. And the minute I had any problem, he goes, oh, my God, Paula actually is the best ever. Please go to her, Darren. Um, so I did say that. Yeah, he, he, literally, <laughs> like he that? literally did. Like wow. he, he gushes all over you. Um, and he's like, and you're really cool. So, yes, please. You, I mean, you sound so knowledgeable. Um, just just for the next four weeks, I might need Paula before my race, though. <laughs> so please don't just book up all the spots. Yeah, like, yeah, don't do that. In yeah. fact, I'm just going to book myself in for a couple yeah. of spots. <laughs> just like, in case. Just yeah. to get a massage. Just, just in case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always got spots for you, yeah, Phil. Yeah, right. Thanks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... I'm pretty much good. I've got something random to bring into here. Hopefully. You bring it up. Well, I think we're I think we're done with the right. with the regularly scheduled questions. <laughs> okay. But. All right. So you are an endurance athlete. You're an iron athlete. I hate that term. Um, you should have seen the dirty look Darren just gave me. <laughs> it just sounds so fucking lame because you're giving. You're I giving don't self apply the term iron athlete. You're by giving, the way, you're giving like, the brand all of like the the energy, and I just anyway. Um, we're not doing. So no, it's Carry funny. On. So before before <laughs> this before this we we you know Phil cooked up a, a awesome vegan, super healthy meal as he would because we are the master of some. We're a podcast about health and fitness served up as a metaphor for life. So he served up a beautiful meal for us, and I asked Paula, mm. you know, yeah. how many Ironmans have you done, or what are you training for? And she's like, oh, I got a seventy point three, you know, next week. But oh yeah, I've done you know five Ironmans and kind of. And then I'm like, no, how many fucking 70.3s did you do? And you finally answer it. And I think you're like 20 or something. <laughs> and you're just discrediting it, like going out for a long hour long run. I know my, my partner does it. <laughs> Phil, you do it. Mm -hmm. Stop discrediting the 70.3, okay? Because that means my 5K races, you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Is that a warm up? <laughs> so why, why? Why does everyone discredit? Why do you endurance, you crazy ultra endurance athletes discredit the 70.3? Why? Well, once you done the big one then all the rest of it's kind of seems like a bit of a walk in the park right the big right. one the big one yeah once you did an iron man it's all relative right yeah it's I all i can't relative. argue that yeah it all is right. all relative as, a, as an awesome friend of mine once said why just just do one of them really fast like yeah. why, why do many 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 of them like kind of average like 70.3 uh, 70.3 <laughs> is actually probably my favorite distance of triathlon like yeah you, me too you, me too you can race them hard it doesn't like, take a million hours to train for it. You can, you can no, be semi fit. You for can, it, right? yeah. You can, you can, 
you can't blag an Ironman as easy. No. You, you can go into a seventy point three and still race hard, but they're they're just a fun distance. You can yeah. you can really put it out there on the line. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you think? For yeah, I think you can, and also I think seventy point three. You can. Um, you, there's more likelihood that you're going to feel better for most of the race. Really, really quite good for most of the race, and then just True. the last little bit, you don't feel great. But in an Ironman, there's a lot of time that you just do not feel that good. Run. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> and the bike and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and the end of the bike, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, I'm i good. Do you have anything you would like to add? Uh, no, just thanks very much for having me on the show. And oh, yeah. Thank you. That thank was, you. That was, I, I think people are going to get a lot out of that. That was, um, that was really good. And thank you again for keeping me on track and <laughs> on the straight and narrow. But yes. yeah, please. Make it this like, time. <laughs> this isn't this isn't a uh, disingenuous plug for for a random guest this this is this is genuinely like you know i've been going to paula for quite some time now pretty years now right like, yeah yeah um, and there's a reason i i sort of you know there's there's a lot of physios in sydney and i've seen some of them beforehand um and you know paula's been back in the uk and and my partner's the same, you know, when you're, you know, if you're back in the UK for a couple of months and you're not here and we have to go see somebody else, it's like, oh my God, we have to go see some like not poor physio. <laughs> um, and it's always heartbreaking. But anyway, oh, so thank thanks. you for all you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate cool. that. And that's it. As always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us ramble about shit that we think you could find of interest and that we find of interest and hopefully help everyone out there. Again, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share on whatever you use to listen to us. If you have any questions or concerns or even suggestions for episodes or hell, if you want to be on the show, hit us up on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or talk some shit at masterofsomepod.com. Again, if you like any of the music that you heard this episode, please feel free to add it to whatever device on whatever platform you use, Spotify, Apple Music, or SoundCloud. Just go to masterofsomepod.com slash music and share with all the folks that you think would like it. Don't worry if you didn't get that. There's a link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Peace. Just, just, just.